and welcome to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. This week, we will be discussing Light and Shadows. My name is Ethan, and I am joined by... Kevin. And we had a momentous episode as far as moving these plots forward that we've been hoping would be moved forward. Exactly. So, um... You want to jump right into... Sure, but I think a good way to start... We always start with the non-captain's log. And this time, we were back to Michael, and she talked about how her mother told her about mysteries in three. Birth, life, death, past, present, future. Mm -hmm. And that's where this comes from, the future. Now, (sighs) when I was young, my mom would say about threes in my family, but it always meant... When somebody died, bad things happen. They would threes. say, two more people are gonna die." Yeah, it's always bad things. Yeah, when she said that, I was like, oh, "I thought bad things always happen in three years." Yeah, it's it the Vulcan that. thing. It's a Vulcan thing. Um, if we, if if um, if I could, uh, before we get into the meat of it, you um, can. So in my notes, I just have some basically continuity and Easter eggs. Um, that we've seen throughout the episode. These are the ones that just sort of stuck out to me. Okay, actually, and also before we get into that, just one note. Last week we realized as we started talking about theories, we may have gotten into mild spoiler territory mm-hmm. because we might be right, and I know some people prefer to not hear the theories, so this time we're going to actually let you know and we're getting into the... We'll hold that till after the... Yeah, we're not just, just going to say, like, here's the theory the and... Uh, what's the word? Speculation. Speculate. We will theorize. Um, so, these are the things that stuck out to me. So, in terms of the continuity and Easter eggs. Because Trek is doing, or Discover, well, I should say Discovery is doing this basically in every episode. There was some sort of nod to another series or movie, however minor. I think there was something about a planet, maybe? So, um... That was a joke. Spock is in the Mutara, sec- Mutara Sector. Which is where the fight, the battle between the Enterprise and the Reliant took place in the Wrath of Khan. Nice. Yeah. Um, also, the thing I've noticed is that the time anomaly that Discovery encounters, the things that happen in threes where past, present, and future sort of collide, um, is sort of similar to the anomaly in the last episode of Next Gen. All good things. Past, oh. present, and future all sort of converge, and there's an Enterprise from each one. Right. And they use tachyons, which they also made reference to tachyons in this episode as well. Yeah, this is very tricky. Yep. Anomalies and tachyons. And also, something else I noticed, um, if you, eagle-eye viewers, um, on the control panel of the uh, shuttle, there were labels. One said TNG, one said DS9, one said (laughs) BOY for Voyager and ENT for Enterprise. I was like, whoa. No TAS. No, t- no TAS or TOS, but uh, that's silly. <laughs> silly because you're like, what the fuck do they mean in universe? But nothing, I guess, yeah, because those are just hey. yeah. But I was like, Whoa! I did, I did not notice that. Yeah, that yeah. So those are the ones that I mean, obviously where the episode ends, but that's something that comes up yeah, after the fact. But those are the ones that stuck out to me. All right. Um, if there are any ones that anybody missed mm-hmm. that I missed, anybody wants to uh, make mention of, definitely. Yes, those are fun. Those tell are us fun. on Twitter. So um, anyway. All right, so we begin, and the search for Spock continues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Burnham comes up with her plan that uh, she needs to go to Vulcan to find out what her family knows. Yep. It was really cool, I might might say, to see a Vulcan city up close like that. 
like we saw in the very beginning when she was requesting permission to land. Right. Yes. Yeah. And also hear how their uh, air traffic control works. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. Were, yeah, because the I mean we've seen the the bulk of time we spent on Vulcan was on uh, Enterprise, so and we knew they had big cities. So, I, but I, we never actually went inside. No, we just saw the desert in right? such detail. We we saw them at a distance, or like we saw like rooftops. But we were never like fully inside of. Yeah, a, we generally see desert and rocky like formations. Yeah. We've seen Vulcan, and yeah. then Sarek and Amanda's house, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes back, <clears throat> and. Um, I guess it makes sense to we'll talk about the Spock story first. So, yep. um, well, they do the, they do a little bit of that flash flashing back to them being kids, and Spock seems a little bit more open to having her there. As you know, when we first saw that, he just wasn't having. He didn't seem like he was having it. Yeah, so we got yeah. a whole other layer to him. He has um, dyslexia, mm-hmm. sort of. Although and, that's not what I mean, they're like, no, oh, just, but I'm like, that's not what dyslexia it's not is. What this is exactly. It's not what dyslexia <laughs> Everyone is. thinks that's what that is, but right. And I was actually li- trying to listen to the numbers he was saying, and I'm like, I was trying to see if he was going to say like eight four seven two, like species eight four seven two from Voyager. I'm like, just give us an eight four seven two. Just give <laughs> us an eight four seven two. Well, we got something even better out of those numbers. Well, yeah. Um, the other thing is that when when dyslexia has to do with numbers, it's it's a different name too. Mm. So, but for our purposes, it's Vulcan dyslexia. Um. So we had Sarek doing some sort of a Vulcan meditation to, yep. to discover him. But the interesting thing was that Amanda had been hiding And that him. was new, by the way. That wasn't... Because I, I, I watched the episode and I paused it because I forget what they called it off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. I, I looked it up on memory alpha. I wanted to just confirm, like, is this something we've seen before? But no. So that, that's adding a little bit to the Vulcan uh, mythos, as it were. Yes. It was interesting that Michael knew right away that Amanda was lying. Yeah. And Amanda was hiding Spock. Yeah. Which kind of... Yeah, that did surprise me a little bit. That she was just hiding him, like, almost in plain sight. Right. But because of the stones in the temple or in this place... I assume it was a temple. We didn't really get a clear answer. It was a cave or a temple. But because of those stones, the... It's Katra stones. A nod to search for Spock. Right. So what Sarek was doing could not penetrate. Right. But Sarek is smart enough to know that once they took off on by themselves, he should follow them. Right. And uh, they went and discovered Spock there. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's kind of uh, he's kind of lost his mind a little bit. He's just He's repeating the first doctrine of logic. Yeah. First doctrines of logic. He's you know what he he reminds me of like a because like Vulcan minds are so disciplined and it's just something that he can't comprehend that his and his mind is just struggling to really figure this out. Yeah. And the fact that he's battling with his human side as well. Right. And I really like that Amanda said he's trying to center himself, meaning mm-hmm. he can't it's so illogical that he just thinks by repeating these rules of logic he's going to like snap back into logic, I guess. Right. Which is interesting. And then of course the numbers. And right. drawing the red angel. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about all of this? That the she was f- hiding him? No, just the fact that Spock is the the answer to all of this. He has all this information locked in his brain. Just the general idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think nothing about it to me stands out as like, oh, this has to be Spock. Mm. Like, what, 
would this still work if it was just if this were just happening to like Burnham? Like, what about this? Like, basically, is this something that can only happen to Spock, or could they just basically put anybody else in there? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it seemed like there was a. a Are line they utilizing Spock correctly? I guess is my, is my right. question. There was. A, it seems like if anything, they might be trying to play his half Vulcan, half human nature. Yeah. Because Michael said something where, if a pure Vulcan had experienced these emotions, they would have gone insane or something. But I had no idea what she was talking about. What no. emotions is he experiencing? I don't know that we yeah, know anything. Sure. We just know that he's <clears throat> having something. Yeah happen he's i mean yeah he's trying again he's trying to center himself yes but I, yeah but i don't i don't know like yeah to your point i have no idea yes so alice in wonderland comes back in where amanda used alice in wonderland it's to help him with his dyslexia that's dyslexia that's getting referenced a lot i know and but i keep to what end i don't well i understood it initially because it was like through the looking glass and they go into the mirror universe and it made sense and i thought okay that's sort of like played out in, t- in its entirety now is there but is there more is there more symbolism to it? I don't... So, I, I'm not a avid, like, reader of, of... Just in general. So, like, I don't know what else about that uh, yeah. book. Well, you know the general story, correct? I mean, the Disney movie. Sure, it's... But, like, I don't know... I don't, I don't know what other, like, subtexts, if well, any, exist in there that can be applied to... Amanda said something where they are both... They're the ones that are on both sides of the looking glass, not us. Because so right. Sarek doesn't like the idea. He says your obsession with this, with a book about chaos, has uh, you know, right, negatively affected our children. Um, and I mean, you could, you, I mean, you could say both sides. It's like the human and the Vulcan side. It's like maybe does Amanda, is Amanda the one that sort of causes this sort of internal conflict in Spock to begin with? Hmm. Well, so when Alice goes through the looking glass, she's in this world of everything's weird and crazy, yeah, and she doesn't understand it because the rules, because there sort of are no rules. So I think what she's hinting at is the fact that Michael comes into another culture where she doesn't understand how Vulcans work. Right. And Spock goes into the Starfleet and he doesn't really understand how the human emotions work. So they're right. both like out of their yeah. element. I can see that. I can see that. Which is fine. I don't know that it adds that much by making it like that. but <clears throat> um, So then Michael tries to break through to Spock. And it doesn't quite work. No. Oh. I did like that Sarek had a plan. Mm-hmm. He said, well, the only logical thing is for Michael to turn Spock over to Section 31. Right. And his reasoning need to treat him. seemed to be have some emotion in, in it. Right. He knew that if they were caught... Spock would be taken anyway, and Michael's career would be ruined, and she would probably go to jail, mm-hmm. and he would lose two of his children. Right, and he told her, he's like, you know, you're going to put your Starfleet career at risk yet again. Yes, which was smart. I hadn't, I had not considered that. And, yeah, uh, it was the only logical thing to do. Hmm. <laughs> so then we go to section thirty-one. Do yes. we actually? So here's my big question with section thirty-one. So then we bring Spock there. And, well, we do get a little bit more about the relationship between Amanda and Sarek. Yep. I didn't find it very effective, but there was the, you know, oh, he would not have left Vulcan for me. Well. Of course not. He's a very no. important man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Section 31 stuff, like, there's just there's so much going on all at once. And you're like, I'm, and I'm sitting here like saying to myself, how does this all 
fit together. And now the Section 31 angle is give, is just sort of leaving me with more questions. Well, here's the big questions that I want to talk about in Section 31. I think I know where you're going to go with this. Do we trust um, Leland, the leader? Yep. Do we trust him? Or do we trust Giorgio? Well, or I mean, do we trust both? Leland or do we su- trust not? The thing is, Leland suggested that he's, he's a puppet. He's just a puppet following orders here. Well, that's what Giorgio said about it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, excuse me, Giorgio. But do you think he truly? Do you, essentially, do you think he was he was lying to Michael when he said, "Do we going to take the best care of Spock? This is not going to hurt him, or we want to have his best interest at heart." Do you think he meant it, or is he just being a, you know, a cool CIA type and lying to her to get her out of the way? So it comes off more like KGB to me. But, <laughs> um, well, yeah. No. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I, it's it's hard for me to get it's 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 difficult for me to get a read on who this guy is and what his intentions are because right now I see this whole section thirty one thing. Like I said, you know, he's a puppet following orders. Like, is there some sort of like anti Spock conspiracy at play right. here? Like, yeah, I don't who, understand who is pulling these strings, right? That because it seems to go beyond just the fact that he's is it to Paul crimes? Is it Reed? I hope it's to Paul. Oh man, we need Reed. Yeah, it would make perfect sense if uh, who's pulling the strings and walks in Reed. Yeah, I, you're done here, Leland. I'm taking over. It's Reed. Yeah, I mean you're done here. Keep in right? mind, he's like 140 years old at this point. That's um, done before. <laughs> like bones on next gen. Yeah, old and decrepit. Yeah, I don't. To me, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. Like I don't have no clue what's going on with Spock right now, and like why they again. To me, it comes off like some sort of anti-Spock. Conspiracy. It does. Um, I don't even know if we're gonna in the end if he will have actually killed these people, or if that's just, you know, manufactured so they have the reason to take him in. Yeah, I don't know. Do you trust Giorgio? Because it made no sense when she said, "Michael, I've turned off the cameras. I'm gonna help you to, you know, break him out because he they're gonna." Tear you know, his brain I, apart. I. At that moment, I actually kind of did. Because when she said, I know more about you than you, than you do. Yes. Which revealed that mm-hmm. thing, which we'll get to oh, yes. in a moment. Um, I actually bought into her intentions at that point. I, I truly did. I still didn't buy it. Yeah. Even when she said... And I felt... And I felt... I kind of felt almost dirty buying into buying into that i didn't buy it because even when she said she finally admitted well it's what's bad for leland is good for me i mean i was mostly just reading her facial expression and there was no sort of like evil smirk there when she was saying that well i think she's a good enough manipulator to not do an evil smirk when she's being evil i don't know i just in the in the past i just feel like that's all she's done and this is like the one time I noticed she didn't. Yeah, I, in another comment that was very strange, she said, "Oh, you're doing this out of the goodness of your heart." She said, "No, out of the goodness of yours." Well, what, what, and what also, and maybe I missed something here, but like, um, Tyler reports to Leland, and Tyler told um, Pike, you know, he has a vested interest in this, so he needs to know what's going on with both Burnham and Spock. And I'm surprised that he wasn't aware of the fact that Burnham was over there. Oh, right. So they wouldn't have informed him, right? Well, was he not in the anomaly at that point? Maybe, maybe when he gets back to his quarters, he'll find a. Oh, situation. well, yeah, possibly, but maybe. actually, that's true. But there was no one on the screen saying we got to let Tyler know. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't trust Giorgio. I don't trust 
Leland. Yeah, I'm on the fence about Jojo right now. Leland, it's just for me, it's difficult to get a read on. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's full of crap. But then we get the reveal. <laughs> <laughs> we get the reveal that I felt, my, I, I just, I get let out like a ugh when I heard it. Yeah. The, so, so the manipulation of Jojo on Leland, you need me to keep your secret. That you are responsible for the death of yeah. Michael's parents. I felt this came out of nowhere. Right, and right now I'm just like, okay. We don't need another storyline. I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't know what that... I, I don't really quite get what that changes. Right, It's. I think it would be one thing if they planted the seed of Michael wondering what happened to her parents. So but I mean, We've ne- literally never heard her say anything, except for a passing reference. Like, to are they going to try to somehow retcon this whole, like... No, I don't want to go down that road. Okay. But because um, it's just it's too like harebrained. But no, I don't I don't understand why that that why that's something they need they needed to kind of rewrite. Well, I can see why. Like, uh, what does what does that change exactly? I don't know. I mean, her not, parents are still dead. I think it, maybe it gives. Well, we know that it gives Giorgio, uh, you know, some power over Leland to blackmail him for some reason. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, because but I don't know that Michael is on the lookout for her parents' true killers. And once I heard that, it sounded, no. it sounded like... And it made more sense in the first season because, like, it was a Klingon war and the Klingons killed her parents. And it's just like, all right, there's more of a... I, yeah. I get it. So she hates the Klingons. That's right. That's right. Yeah, she hates the Klingons. Right. Just so, the, in the same way the Klingons killed Kirk's son and he doesn't like the Klingons. Like... Yeah. But somehow Leland was responsible and doesn't want her to know. And then, and then when that scene... And then it's sort of, like, smashed kind of that. I'm like, well, I'm like, well hold on a second. <laughs> like, come back. Wait a minute. Right, I feel like this was a soap opera, like the last scene of a soap opera, you know, yeah. where it's like, "I killed your parents." Dun, 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 and uh, cut. I don't. I, I, again, I we always give the benefit of the doubt. I want to see where it goes, but I guess I'm just I I'm don't not. Love it. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Love it. We have already such a convoluted plot of a season that now we have to have a parent murder. Yeah, killer. I don't see what that changes right now, other than okay, somebody else did it. Neither do I. And I don't. Um, so then we have mm, this great escape, which was nice to see Michael um, smack around Giorgio a little bit. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Catch her off guard. Yeah. So then uh, Michael is escaping, and she uses Alice in Wonderland, or the like, again. Uh, I don't know which one, but the only time that she finally gets him to stop repeating the um, the logic or um, the numbers is when she starts referencing Alice in Wonderland. And uh, Spock repeats it also. The lines are... We are all mad. Something about that. Yeah. And everybody thinks he's crazy, so that makes sense. But then she figures out the numbers. And the big reveal comes of Talos 4. Yes. A, uh, a, a planet name we haven't heard in quite some time. Uh-huh. In quite some time. Uh-huh. Um, and if you just refresh us so we all know so the, Talos 4 the big is, stuff. So, okay, so Talos 4 is the planet that is visited in the original pilot, The Cage, and um, that and is also the setting of that episode. And we meet the unbelievably harsh, mind-controlling aliens, the Talosians. And they are really... Um, Treks, I mean, next to Spock, but they are the first aliens to ever appear on in the franchise, and they had never been seen since. Mm. Um, and they're almost 
I don't want to say Q-like, but they're like they're very powerful. Extremely powerful. Extremely, yeah, extremely they're not Q powerful, but they're extremely powerful mind control. Yes. To them. Yeah. Um, they don't so, have any control over like time and space, though, do they? Well, it, it's not really clear what they have total control over. So um, they very, the, the episode never really fleshes it up beyond what we see them do, mm. and so. There's definitely room in there to, for them to say, you know, they can do this and do that. Right. Um, so, and they're going to be there next, and the Talosians themselves are going to be there, they're uh, going to be there next week. Yes. But, um, now, what we know about the Talosians, since there is time travel, everything we know about the Talosians could be part of this. Correct. Correct. Um... This made me want to go back and take a look at, not the cage, but the menagerie from the original series, where they actually, it's where the cage is first introduced to audiences. And mm. they get, and yeah, the flashback. The flashback. Via flashback. And some more details, of, but some more, but before that actually begins, some more details about Talos IV are actually revealed to us. And um, between Kirk and uh, Commodore Mendez. And we come to find out that uh, Talos IV is um, off limits to Starfleet vessels, and it's it's General Order Seven. It's Starfleet's only death penalty that they have. Whoa! That yeah, if any Starfleet vessel, any Starfleet oh, vessel, in, is prohibited from visiting that planet under no under no circumstances, whether it's an emergency, nothing. Whoa! A and death penalty that's so against Starfleet. Exactly. So to have it for one thing, and so, Whoa. but here's the interesting thing. This so, and you actually see the order. It's you know it's nineteen sixty seven, so the order is actually printed on paper. But wait, it actually got a general order number seven. General order seven isn't that's general order so one. It's Think about it. Like general yes. order one is like we all know general order one. This is general order seven. So there, are, yeah. it's that dangerous. <laughs> wow. So this is very exciting. Now, when you read what it says on the episode, and it basically what the order. Says is what I just said. It's like under no circumstances, under no circumstances, yada yada yada. But it mentions, but it mentions Captain Pike and Spock have visited the planet, mm-hmm. and up to that point, you think to yourself, "All right, so they go there in the cage, and yeah, this is what this is. This yeah, is what they this know means. these people are pretty dangerous, so it makes sense. But there's got to be more to it. Not necessarily because uh, Commodore Mendez says to Kirk. Um, he says that um, not even this order, not even this order, expl- fully explains why no Starfleet vessel is allowed to visit Talos IV. Mm. So basically, what we saw in the cage, fine, but there's more to it than that that they don't go into. Yeah, but so, wait, I, but so I think did did Kirk because uh, remind me, did Kirk, Kirk ever turn to Spock and say, Spock, what the hell is this about? <laughs> what happened on Talos IV since he was involved right in the order? You know. No. Okay. Um, Good, because it allows us to go wherever we want with the world allows the right. But it's interesting that the that it kind of germinates there with with Mendez saying that not even this not even this order fully explains why. So it's kind of a gray area. So this up until that point, like you could just say, okay, yeah, it's just assume that this order was created as a, as a result of what we saw happen in the cage. Yeah, even though we hadn't seen the cage yet, but we see it. You know, it's basically the the events of that of that. Yeah, you would think their mission. mind control abilities alone would make it too dangerous. But, but death is a strange thing because right. So continue. there's more to it than that, and so it looks like 
what happens here on this season of Discovery may delve into it a little bit more. It's got to. Because I even said, I think I even said last week, or I said I made reference to the fact that that order came into being, but I didn't remember off the top of my head when. And so, because mm. um, like when Spock and Bert, when they, because like even when like going is way, way far back is when they were doing the Comic-Con panel and they were saying, oh, we're going to go to the, we're going to see the Telosians. I thought to myself, wait, can they? Isn't that general order in place? Are they allowed to do that? Are they violating continuity? And <laughs> Well, we don't know if the Telosians ever leave Telos. But then to your, but then even to your point, you were like, well, the order's in place, but it doesn't mean everybody's going to follow it. Yes, because, I mean, as we said, clearly Michael is a fugitive. Right, but He's not going to follow general order. So. But the order wasn't in place yet. Right, because actually, it's not even made clear in in the menagerie when that order was put into place. Right, but we know at this moment, Spock and Pike have never been to Talos Four, so therefore there can be no order. Yeah, they have. They've been there in the cage. They were there. The cage is before takes place before Discovery. Oh, the cage is before. This. So they they've already been there. So it's the second time when things really go bad, and then they come exactly. Up and as I was saying. We think, okay, at first it was like, okay, that order, the General Order 7 is probably a result of what happened in the cage. Right, but no. But now the discovery... And as we saw from the... And as I said... The bit from next week, it looks much more aggressive than what happened in the cage. And the Admiral's extremely cryptic response where he says not even this order explains, fully explains why. It's like, oh, well now it looks like discovery is going to actually... Whatever happens, maybe whatever happens in discovery from this point on. Like, okay... I think we're going to find out what he meant when he said that. Exactly. In the next, and as we saw from next week's clip, this is I mean, the you see planets exploding, you see right. all this. Michael seems to see it, and then Spock says, "Now you know." Yep. So this is this very is, cryptic. We don't know what it means, but this is the Rogue One mentality. This is the one. It's one line picked out of a picked out of a past episode or movie, and then they kind of flesh it out with a full subplot. Yeah, it's more than Rogue. Because we do get this whole... But this, I'm just saying there's more to it. Yes. There's more to it than that. When, yes. when, even by itself, before this new content even existed, it was still like, okay, it's fine, I get it. There's something there that explains it. But, um, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, like, there was no... There was, I don't think there was ever any speculation in the fan community, like, well, what does that ever mean exactly? Like, I don't think anybody ever really picked apart what he... No, because the episodes were the episodes, and that was it. And that was it. Like, no, I don't think anybody ever, anybody ever thought, fans ever thought, like, you know, years ago, is there more story in there somewhere that they're going to... So, um, we'll it see. It was a different time. It was a different time. Nobody was putting in um, paper punch cards to say, like, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. We need to know what happened to tell us for. Um, but at least I don't have to pay to watch this show. <laughs> right. So, what do you got? Um, do you have something? You have something on this particular area of it. Well, I think at this point we would get into speculation. I mean, your notes territory. are kind of going in order here, so sort of. Um, but we're getting into speculation territory now. Right. But we, we haven't discussed. Um, well, I don't know if you have notes on it, but we haven't discussed um, uh, Pike and Tyler's little thing on the shovel. Sure. Well, here's the decision we should make. Do we want to discuss the speculation on Talos Four as its own part, and then the speculation on the Angels is another part, or do all the speculation at the end, or do Talos now and get it over with, and then do the other part? And then we can do Talos. I mean, we can do Talos now, but we're not like the thing is though. We can only say so much because we haven't actually gone there yet. Well, right. So, but we can certainly have. Um, right. So okay. So this may be this is speculation time. So if you don't like speculation, don't listen. We will go back into episode I mean, content, yeah, just but jump we're ahead. just sort of we kind of, we're kind of insane fans. We go all over the place. Yeah. So Talos Four. Again, it goes back to the quote of 
um, Anson Mount of mm. it's going to turn Pike's story from a tragedy to a uh, triumph. And the fact that he was left on Talos Four as sort of a tragedy, as a broken man, and that, again, lends to this being him as the Red Angel from his position on Talos Four in the future coming back and doing these things. Yeah. The seed also is planted in the other part we haven't talked about yet, but between um, Pike and Tyler, where Tyler keeps saying, you're just doing all this because you're upset you weren't in the war, or you feel guilty you weren't in the war. Mm-hmm. So that might explain also him going back to save people from World War Three. Three. Yep. And give some more motivation to this. Perhaps he gets bored of his idyllic life with his hot wife in the future. Well, can I just say one thing? So, yeah. I don't mean to skip over to this, but it's sort of to counter this. Because I know you're getting into the Pike Red Angel theory a little bit. But, mm-hmm. So, on the shuttle with Tyler and uh, uh, Pike, when the probe comes back, yes. all kind of... It comes back from 500 years in the future. Right. That's the 28th century. Okay. Future guy on Enterprise, is from the 28th century. Oh my god, really? Yes. Okay. I'm just going to leave that there. Okay, but here's the thing. That's all I'm saying. We don't know who sent... The fact that the angel has something to do with time and the probe has something to do with time doesn't mean that it's the same. No, I'm just... I I don't think they are, because the angel has only only helped people, and the probe has... Tried to kill people. Right. And based on what we see in the trailer, trailer it looks like we're going to see more of those things. Yes. Coming. So I. V'ger? I, you know, <laughs> I know you would love that. I just, I don't think. It's the same idea. Like the. Yeah. That's what I thought of. Like, you know. Yeah, we said no to probe. It's even a probe. It and comes they, and it comes back. And yeah. it comes back at you. Yeah. Like, the, it's the same idea. But. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I know that the Pike. Red Angel theory is beginning to heat up a little bit, and mm. I definitely, um, I'm on board with it. Yeah, but not. I don't see that as the only possible. They, oh, me neither. Me neither. Yeah. And I'll say why. First off, uh, the outline has very feminine hips. Seems strange, but it does, in my opinion. So also, when Michael and I saving it's Christine earlier. Pike. When Michael and Giorgio are talking, mm. Giorgio says, I know much more about you than you can ever imagine. Ready? Ready? But that's for another time. time. How can she know more about him than she could possibly imagine? It's not just because she knew a, a mirror Michael. I think it's because she knows the future of Michael, maybe. So, you, so that, maybe. Red, that red angel could be a future Michael. Or... That's one of the theories I've seen online, that it's a future Michael Burnham. But how, but, or it could be that it's George O from the future, who's also George O now. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. That's why she says, I know more about you than you can imagine. Hinting, because I've seen your future. Right. But that's just another theory. It, it could work either way. It could be a future her or a future Michael that yeah. she already knows. But how would George O know, I wonder? Well, future Michael could have contacted her in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's true. Holy crap. There it is. Okay. Future Michael contacts her. That's why she says, that's why she does that with the cameras. But future Michael told her to. And that's why she said, 
well, are you doing this out of the goodness of your heart? She says, no, I'm doing it out of the goodness of yours. Mm. Meaning, you told me to do this. Right. That makes sense. Because yeah. that line struck me as so strange when she said, I'm doing this not out of the goodness of my heart, but out of the goodness of yours. And why it was so out of character. Michael must have told her for the future, if this is true, right. something that convinced her that she should do this. And it makes sense that maybe Michael, why Spock is seeing it, because they are siblings. Right. And think, oh, 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 and think about it. If Michael is Spock's sibling, mm. right, She di- that also explains why Saru saw it, because she did say to Saru, you are my family. Oh, that's right. That's right. But it still doesn't explain the World War Three, but... No. That's okay. <laughs> that will all be revealed. I hate that, because that was just the stand-up <laughs> there. It's just so like, without it. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like that was written before they went, before they decided, you know what, let's make it Michael. Well, wait, here's the If that's the case. I wonder if... No, that can't be it. Let's say, I wonder if, like, some ancestor of Michael's was there, but it can't be, because no one she got off of there. In order but to I think even if there was, yeah. I, she would have known. Yeah. Somehow. Like, yeah. oh, they were dropping nuclear bombs on... Right. You know, I yeah. grew up in that time. I, I don't yeah, some the, the World War Three, the World War Three one is still a problematic. It is, but that makes it more interesting to try to figure out. Right. So I definitely like the the Pike, and I like the Michael theory quite yeah. a lot. Um, well, so another theory about the Red Angel that I've seen online, um, which I think is rather telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a theory is that it's actually Discovery's AI, Zora, from the short trek Calypso. Now that sounded crazy to me, but hang on to your seats, folks. So, um, I can't derive what the intent of it is, right? right? But just, just weird connection, just a weird connection. You know, two things really. The Red Angel is from the future. And Calypso was a thousand years in the future, mm-hmm. I think, right? It was a thousand years in the future. And Kraft, the person who was on board Discovery, when um, Zora was examining him, he had an angel tattooed on his back. Did it look at all like the Red Angel? I mean, it was, an angel's an angel. An angel's right? an angel, right? So it's just more of an astute observation. Like I, I can't really say much beyond that, but it's also the only, well, the other short trick is not the other connection. Well, no, the other short trick is connected because you had characters from, right. So that was the only but, one that, but not, but fit. not, but not plot wise though. Like you had Tilly in the first one, but like that doesn't play into the overall. Yeah. But still you had character. You did. So now, but discovery's a character. But using that logic, we now have a direct character, which is right. the Red Angel. Discovery as Red Angel. Never mind Discovery itself being right. the ship that's... Yeah, I don't know that Discovery, though, has yet worked her way into... Sorry for being sexist, but yet worked her way into being a character. Oh, the, way, the way the Enterprise of the Millennium Falcon was. Yeah. Um, so, I thought at first I thought that was a little insane, but the more I thought of it, I'm like, I'm like yeah, I can only think of it in terms of coincidences but i i can't formulate any sort of like what intention what the intent may be i don't know what zora would be trying to do here yeah no me neither but i just had another thought and again i don't know why zora would be going back to world war three damn no damn maybe she's just testing out the 
time travel. Maybe. And how does Maybe. she figure out how to time travel? Well, don't forget at that point in the at that point in the future. I mean, so Discovery's intelligence again, Zora has the no, has the knowledge of the sphere. That's just like a hundred thousand years of intergalactic knowledge. Yeah, that's true. So, who and knows? And all the census data for Sirius Planet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, who knows? That just actually made me think of another thing. So, two who, sites, by the way, have supported that theory. Supported that. Do theory. we want to give them a shout out? I didn't think that what they were. <laughs> all right. Um, so here's another thing we haven't gotten into it because it's in the other section, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Mm. Uh, I thought it was. Noteworthy that Arium clearly gets infected with whatever the heck is yeah, coming from. That's... So, Arium, Arium got hacked. Is a potentially f- female figure. Yep. So Arium, maybe she might live a long time since she's only partially organic. Yep. And she might be the Red Angel. Just a thought, because. They have these three dots in her eyes that are clearly like that's she's looking at the screen. It's going remember attacking her, right. and then we get the close up of her eyes with those three dots, and it definitely in the red, and I think it's definitely letting us know okay something is now in her. Right. So that's another. Thing. I mean, I'd be curious what, and the thing is too, I'd be curious what that probe was looking for, because it was running through everything. Right. It was running. It actually it was doing what Vijay was doing. It's running. It was running. It was running their records. <laughs> Oh my god, it was. It's feature. Yeah. It's feature. Now, now. Okay. What's wrong with us? Here's the other crazy idea of it. And now bringing V'ger into it actually brings two crazy theories oh, together. God. Ready? Yep. So, when you look at Arium, yep. you see that she has white skin oh, and robotic yes. parts. Yes. Okay? Yes, yes. She looks like a very clean version of a Borg. A friendly Borg, let's say. Mm. Right? Kind you would leave your kids with. Um, There's no such thing. But what happens is she gets infected, right? Now, let's say, let's just say, for the sake of argument and fun, there is a theory that V'ger and the Borg started the Borg, right? Yeah, and I think it's a very terrible theory. Okay, but (laughs) hear me out. Yeah. Now we have a direct connection between if it was V'ger that had the things, the giant squid probes back they hacked it got to arium arium got infected so you're saying it's not v'ger you're saying it's whoever hacked it no v'ger's the one who hacked it and started the borg by infecting arium It's not a good theory. <laughs> All the pieces don't if fit you, yet. If the viewers can only see my face. It just um all the parts are there for a possibility. You'd have to write the heck out of it, but well, hold it on. Could be done. I, I think Viger is the result of a Viger's Voyager, Voyager yeah, Six. I know, right? Viger's not a race. Well, unless Viger wants to be a race. Viger's an en- Viger, v- hold on. Viger's an entity. Yes, but Viger became conscious. Correct, but. So Viger needed hold on though. Look, a machine. Finish. They say um, in that movie they say a machine, a machine, a planet of machines took Viger or took Voyager, reprogrammed it and sent it back. Okay. So, so the planet of machines did. That. So it's not that yeah, Viger's right, doing I mean, this. Yeah, yeah. It's you're right. It, you're right. Maybe one wound up in the same place. You're right. So the planet of machines potentially did that. But what Correct. the planet of machines wanted in doing all this was 
a hybrid. Yeah. Organic and mechanic or electronic. And they find it in Arium, who becomes the uh, blueprint for the Borg, which they then become. But don't forget what happened to Decker and Ilea at the end of that movie. They, they kind of joined together. We don't talk about Decker or Ilea. Okay. Well, <laughs> why? Because no. it shits all over your theory? <laughs> no, because... No, tell me more. Tell me more. Well, no, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, we see at the ending of the motion pictures that the two of them sort of join together and create a new life form. V just sort of evolves into a new consciousness or new life form as it were yeah and i don't think it's i don't think it's the fact that i don't think i don't i think what people i think i see what you're saying i don't think it's the fact that the borg were created i think it's to me it's it's latching on to no it's they say a machine world yes that's what the borg is i don't see any creation of the Borg. i see the borg already there but it's a machine world, and Borg are part machine, part organic. A machine world, I don't think, would have the part machine, part organic. Well, the, the Borg themselves are, but I would think their world would be all machine. Oh, yeah. Right. So, But maybe they get the idea from Arium. Oh, but at the same time, it's very un-Borg-like, because the Borg would just have assimilated the damn thing, and I'll send it back. Which thing? Voyager? Yeah, Voyager. Even then, they probably wouldn't even have assimilated it at all because it's like it's, a piece, of, it's a piece of useless <laughs> space junk that yeah. has nothing to there. It's actually not very good. <laughs> this, it takes pictures. This thing sucks, and it sends back slow yeah, radio that, signals. And, that, and that's and that's why I've never really supported the Borg theory because I just I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I see your point. So revamping it. It's very fan fiction. Well, yeah, it comes from the novel. It's extremely fan fiction. It's Shatner's fault. It's a I fucking just return novel. Don't think. Oh, he wrote it. Yeah. Well, he goes. He didn't go. Oh, he, yeah, I didn't write anything. <laughs> um, except his horses. His face is on. Except it, notes though. to his horses about how much he loves them. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I just think that Arian looks too much like a Borg for that not to. Be I. I know it makes no sense. All right, let's leave it be. It's a crazy theory. You convinced me. All right. But the Borg were on Enterprise for God's sakes. Yeah, but. Time travel is here, too. Uh, go on. Okay. Um, so that covers that part. Now, what we have not yet talked about is everything happening on Enterprise and with the uh, anomaly... On Enterprise. <laughs> My brain is in the Enterprise. On Discovery and with the anomaly. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> they want to find out what's going on with the anomaly. Which just kind of opens up out of nowhere. Yeah, I was going to say, well, does this anomaly have anything to do with anything we've seen before? I don't... It's. It wasn't clear to me where it came from. But, I mean, as all anomalies go on Trek, it's never really clear where anomalies come from, so... Right. But why was it that they felt so much the need to, like, we got to get in real close to find out? It must have something to do with the angel signal or something. Anyway, well, they, they, investigate it. they find it's very important to go check out the anomaly, as they do in Star Trek. Yes. And, of course, there are temporal distortions. Over orbit of uh, Kanemar. There's still an orbit of Kanemar. Mm-hmm. So. So then um, we get some nice Tyler and Pike action. Yep. Now, we got some bad The chair here. outranks the badge. Yeah, so this was what I found very strange there. Tyler's getting on my nerves. He is, but here's the thing. Like, let's say you and I are having a conflict. Mm-hmm. We are in something that has to do with rank, right? And I want to pull rank on you. Right? Yep. Do I actually take off my rank and throw it at you? No, I don't think I do. I think I might point to it. I'm not going to take it off and toss it to you, right? Do you ever see the FBI walk into a sheriff's office and go, 
Where the FBI is our case now and take off their FBI badge and throw it at the person. No, they flash the badge and say, yeah. to identify themselves. That. But Tyler, small thing, I think, but, I think, no I think but the thing is, like, Tyler thought, like, oh, I'm superior to you. Like, you should report. And it's like, no, I'm the captain here. Yes, the chair. We, we both work for the same organization. The chair outranks the badge. But I, I think that Pike is a bit Pollyanna-ish here. I do not think... I think that he he likes to see this as, you know, we're all on the same team, we're all pulling in the same direction. But yeah. I think that he's being naive. I think that Section 31 has got its own agenda, and I don't think that this playing nice together is going to last very long. No, I don't. Um, it seemed like toward the end, though, after... I mean, not to jump ahead, but it seemed like toward the end of it, they were really... They kind of found a... Yes... They kind of got on firm footing. My note says a begrudging respect. Yeah, yeah. I had for each other. I mean, basically. I still don't trust Tyler. No, I don't like him. I, I don't like him. Um. So wish Kirk would beat the hell out of him. <laughs> Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, I want Kirk okay. anymore. Just that'd be great. Yeah, they can afford Pine for a five-minute fight. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Throwing badge. Oh, yeah, it was a weird. So my notes. Wrong said, universe. My notes said throwing badge was a weird flex. Yeah. So all right. So then this is where we start the future vision. It would have been great if Pike didn't catch it and just let it fall. That's what I would have done. Future vision. So they all are seeing this happening at the same time. The the badge throwing. Yep. Um, and that leads them to know that there's space time problems. Now this brings up a couple of things. Well, we see another one when they're in the the probe because they're trying to get closer so they can get some more data on the yep. anomaly. Yep. And he sees himself shooting at Tyler, and he sees it, and he keeps it sort of... He doesn't say anything because he thinks, oh, that might be me killing him because I find out that I can't trust him. Right. But as we later learn, it's because they're fighting off the probe. Right. Now, here's my question. Squid. This is a big question here. Mm-hmm. Also, the design of those almost identical to one on uh, the Clone Wars, a ship on the Clone Wars. Um, is there free will? Do they have free will if if they can see their future before it happens? Do they actually have free will? What do you mean? Like, do they have free will? Do, do they have a choice in what they do? Because, like, uh, for instance, Pike saw that happen, and then it happened. Did he have a choice? Could he have? Could he have done something different? Or is it predetermined? Well, I mean, he saw himself aiming the phaser at Tyler, but he didn't. He didn't see the probe, right? So, but but, it, but that all played out exactly the way he saw it, right? So, if you see your future before it happens, do you actually have any choice in how it plays out? Um. Yeah. It's sort of like a big question. It's so a like big, in it's Star a, Trek, a big is question. there free will? I Or is everything predetermined? I feel like everything so far in Trek with, with regard to time travel is always predetermined. They've always kind of viewed time as they say in this episode sort of viewing it in a sort of a linear fashion. Yeah. And um, I think you know, going back to the to I know I make a lot of lost references, but you know, in Lost, when they dealt with the time when they dealt with time travel in season five, one of the things that I liked about that was that it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't like let's try to change history. It was like, no, the universe you actually can't change anything. The universe course corrects. Yeah. If you try to change something, you may be able to change the circumstances, but the outcome is still going to be the same. Mm-hmm. 
So, I, I mean, I, I know I'm talking about I know I'm talking about two different shows here, but right. Well, it I, just made me a little bit more open minded to it. Otherwise, I'd be like, I don't know. I think what we're gonna see next week is gonna have something to do with this idea of things being predetermined or having free will to change things, because I think we've, it's been set up here. Because yeah. there was even something in the in the you know upcoming trailer. Spock mm-hmm. says, "I've seen a possible future, and our actions now you know may impact it. It could mean the future of thousands of civilizations and millions of lives." Hmm. So this idea of possible futures and is the future preordained or does do people have control over it? Is coming up in a major way soon. Yeah, we're gonna see, uh, and based on that trailer, we're gonna see Burnham's gonna see what those possible uh, futures may be. By it looking like at by looking at Spock's mind. Thank you for you know telosians, but um, hmm. but how does Spock see a possible future? That's what I want to know. Maybe mind melded to, with someone. We have to. It? Well, we have to watch the episode and find out. I know, but I'm. If it, speculation if, if, it, if it, I mean, if it, if they decide to kind of take us down that road, but, um, I mean, they did say early on, as the, like the, sort of the press for the season is that, yeah, like the galaxy is going to be at risk or uh, something in the early trailers, like, yeah, of course, yeah. So, um, now here's something. Do you think just the mere fact of being shown the future is what broke Spock's logic? Or being shown such a horrible future broke his logic. Because in the trailer we see Earth being destroyed right. by it looks like those squid probes. Yep. Not the Zindi this time. Um, no, this one makes it to Earth. Zindi never did. Hmm. Possibly. Because, I don't know, I think that would break he my can't logic. Compl- it would break his logic. And who knows how many futures, potential futures he's, he's seen. That's true. So Because... If may, it's, I think it's, it's him trying to wrestle... How can this? It's like us trying to figure out what the these red angel theories. Like we can't comprehend like what the fuck's going on. Like or we think we have it, then something else, right? Kind of throws a, uh, makes it difficult. So I think, I think it's him trying to cope with. I think he's trying to figure out what's going. He's trying to figure it out. Yeah. Can't. Um, and what we've to seen be I've so heard f- the most basic answer possible, but what we've seen so far is Pike was shown a future and then it happened. Hmm. So, if Spock... But Spock seems to realize he's been shown a future, but he's saying this is only a possible future. Right. And who is showing him that? The Telosians, I guess. But why? When and why? The, I bet you maybe the Telosians are t- going to tell them... It could be a case of the Telosians saying, you need to do it this way, because if you don't, this is maybe what could happen. Maybe they're showing them the outcome of what could potentially happen. But do what what way? I don't know. I feel like there has to be some... There's some sort of... Some sort of plan is going to get put in motion to deal with whatever this problem is. And... If they do it a certain way... Are they going to see what the potential outcomes will... What potential outcomes could come of it? Mm. I, it's because we don't really even know who the enemy is. Well, right. We have no idea. We don't think... I don't think it's the Red Angel. 
it's clearly whoever's sending the probes. No, I mean, it's they're putting a puzzle together. There's no clear, like, bad guy. Right. Right. Though, though by the end... It's Pike, not like... This but, is, well, look, Pike has been convinced, or somewhat convinced, he says, um, if, if the angel came from the future... And the probes came from the future, and the probes are hostile. Then maybe Tyler is onto something, and the angel is hostile. So Tyler has has brought Pike over a little bit to thinking that the angel is hostile. But we don't know when in the future the the angel came from. Right. Well, I'm just saying what the characters are thinking at this point. Yeah. I don't like that idea personally. What if these? Now I'm just kind of. Really throwing it out there, and I have no. No, we're really in speculation time now. I have no kind of way to back it up, but I mean, wherever this red angel comes from, what if these um, probes or these squid probes, whatever the fuck they are, they are they're benevolent, and they could be maybe the red angel. The red angel could potentially be trying to protect us from these things. Maybe I don't know. Like, okay, whoever. Assume, let's just assume for a second it's an alien race setting out these squid things, and the it could be something that's at war with the Red Angel, possibly, or like it's in a it's fighting with the Red Angel, as it were, <clears throat> a fight that's going across time. Okay. Or no, think of it like this: Spock said, "I'm see what do you say? I'm seeing a potential future. I see a possible future. I see a possible future." And our actions... That future... Maybe that maybe in some time way that future happened and the Red Angel is trying to fix it by coming back in time mm. at certain points to steer them away from this. The Red, Angel, the Red Angel could be from that future. That's true. And it's coming back at key points in time to, change it. to steer... I, I still don't know where World War Three plays into it, but... Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll find out. Maybe there's someone the, in there that World we War don't III, expect. World War Three adds the complication only because the Red Angel has appeared to people that we know. Exclusively, except World War Three. Except, yeah. And, but maybe there's someone in there that we don't know is important yet. Possibly. That doesn't make sense. But, oh, World War hold on. Okay. They didn't... Okay. Here it is. Here's a thought. So... It didn't directly affect anyone on Discovery, but it affected everyone on Discovery that went there and had that experience with those people. I, what do you mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Pike goes down, right? And he right. gets, his spiritual side is sort of reawakened. Yeah. Maybe that's what was important. So it's a it's sort of like It sort of like opened his mind yes, to it? kind of a stretch because if I wanted to awaken someone's spiritual side I don't know that I would choose to save a town and move it into the future wouldn't be my first move yeah I don't because see World War 3 was a cataclysm that happened and it happened like mm. as far as we know like it, we, we still again we still don't know the cause of of what triggered the whole thing but um so if it's the idea that this person in a red angel suit is is from the future, is coming back through time to steer us away from avoiding this possible future that Spock is talking about, mm-hmm. the only potential um, 
Well, no, I, I again, I don't know. The only thing that came out of World War Three is the Vulcans landed after that, and humanity started on a path which led to Starfleet and the Federation and everything like that. Oh, so that was World War Three was the war that left. Um, like when we we went, we saw the aftermath in, in first, uh, contact. first contact. Yeah, that was that war. Got it. When the only thing left was a uh, bad rock music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, but that town didn't affect it. But nothing is at risk there. It isn't like, oh, you know, something happened. Somebody altered time in World War Three, and now humanity never met the Vulcans. Like, yeah, again, no, there's nothing. It's a small I don't town know. that everyone thought got blown up. And actually I don't didn't. know. I still don't know where New Eden. And I, I can't even guess where New Eden fits into all of this. Um. Well, once again. Allow me to crunch because I'm eating while you probably do this. So just turn your head away. Try to no I keep crunch, the illusion. I, I crunch loud. These are our listeners, man. Respect the listeners. I'm turning my head. Go on, go on. All right. Um, I don't know. There is that thing that reminds me of the Telosians in it, where the Telosians want to have their little menagerie, their little zoo of all the different types of people. And here you have a town picked up and dropped somewhere, like a little... In the Beta Quadrant. Yeah. I don't know. It reminds me of the Telosians. That's all I can say about it. The thing is, New Eden was not... New Eden wasn't... In the, they had used a spore drive to get there. New Eden wasn't sort of in the neighborhood. Right. But who knows what the Telosians can, can do. It's true. But, but I don't think it's directly related, but it just seems similar. Yeah, I just, I don't, it's it's such a, it's such a complication. Yeah. For which me is right now. what makes it very exciting. It's yeah. very, very exciting. It's exciting, but it's also a little frustrating because it's sort of like every, I've never been able to devise a theory that is able to fit in the events of New Eden into all of this. So. Um, I think that's where the big reveal, a, a big reveal, we have many coming. Obviously it'll get, you know, I have high hopes that it will get um, um, resolved, but yeah, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. There's one more bit I want to talk about with Tyler and Pike. Okay. So, as they are flying into the anomaly, trying to get close, trying to get readings, etc., etc., um, Pike has the plan of to let Discovery know where they are, mm-hmm. release the plasma, which will be ignited by the thrusters, and it will leave a trail for them. Mm-hmm. And Tyler says, no, we need that fuel. And he has to pull rank with them. Right. And say, um, I'm going to put you in the brig for not following a direct <laughs> order if you do not do that. And then he does it. Okay. I thought that was a great scene. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never been in a military. I've never been in anything where you have to follow someone's lead no matter what. But I think that scene got across how hard it probably is to trust, to just do what someone says if you don't trust it. Right. And you just have to have faith in leadership and in that person that they know best. And you just have to do it even though you think it's the wrong move. I think also um, one thing we didn't discuss with the Tyler uh, Pike thing was Tyler triggered him a little bit when he said, you know, you're trying to make up for the fact that you weren't, you didn't participate 
Mm-hmm. You did participate in the Klingon War. You're trying to do right by all of this. And, you know, he got kind of pissed off at that. But then later on in the episode, he says, you know... You're probably right. You're probably right. Which leads to... Which I, I think because we were talking about this the other day. Kind of feeds into maybe the Red Angel is Pike. Right. But the other thing he's is doing He's going through time doing writing wrong, as it were. But also, Tyler said that to Pike in that moment when he told him to release the plasma. Mm. And I'm sure in Pike's mind, he had to think for a second and say, is he right? But still, right. he's he's a fantastic captain and he sticks to his guns and he makes the decision. He knows what the best thing to do is right. and he's going to do it. So also, another great scene of building Pike in that. But yes, I think that he is being affected by... No, agreed. He definitely He is. even says it at the end. He said, but he said, you know what? Dropping the plasma is the right thing to do, but you're not wrong about yeah. your motivation for going in the first place. It's, it's, man, shit like this frustrates me sometimes. Why? Because I just, I, it's because I'm an impatient guy. I just, I want, I want to know, but it's like we have six more weeks of this, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, if, if we could have binged it, it would not nearly be as fun. We would have already yeah. been done. And... Well, true, and I, I don't want to be, I, I'm actually, them pace, spacing it out like this not only allows us to do this podcast, but it keeps me at bay because I'd be too tempted to, to kind of keep going through it. So, Yeah, it happened to me with the new season of True Detective recently, mm-hmm. where I had three, three episodes left, and one episode was so good that stayed up on a weeknight. I also th- the next two. But I also think that when you binge things like this, mm. like I binged Stranger Things season one. I didn't remember, it, I didn't remember a fucking thing because I just watched all of it yeah. so quick. And so, uh, you know, remember I don't have time to think about it. No, and it's like, remember what happened in this episode? I just remember this? And I'm just like, when did that happen? Yeah. It all kind of just blurred yeah. together. So, and even in this um, conversation that you and I have had tonight for the benefit of our wonderful listeners, mm-hmm. we've come to, I don't know, two major realizations or potential theories if we had been binging it we would have had what maybe five minutes where we got up to get a drink or go to the bathroom to think about anything between the episodes right. if that so we, but, would have, we would have just got the answer right away no but, time to think which exactly and this also this also give, it also gives you a chance to you know go online you know speculate with people on reddit message boards that sort of chat rooms that sort of thing and really just kind of speculate week to week I mean it's one of those things where the show has a life the show has a life beyond the hour of the between between the hour of uh, you know between the hour of that it's on TV every yes. week. So, and that's the fun thing about episodic television, it really is. Yep. Again, I go back to Lost. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, do you um, have any uh, other observations? I do you have, have make a before? couple things. So, okay. One thing is this is totally like odds and ends now. Yep. There were some very cool special effect shots, or like you know. Really cool transition shots that I liked. Like when they went into the eye of the eye and they transitioned into the lab. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Area that eye is going to be important somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was very cool when they had Enterprise okay. was outside of the anomaly and it was sort of at a strange angle, like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. That was very cool. Or Discovery. I keep saying it. <laughs> All right, but here's the weird one, right? Yep. The lift system. Yeah, where... <laughs> I, I really don't like these. 
did you, what do you think about the lift system? It seems like they have an entire I'm like, warehouse I'm like, just for lifts. I'm watching this and I'm saying to myself, where are they fitting like an entire roller coaster inside this fucking... With nothing else around it. Yeah, like where is this? Made no sense. If I was a ship... Someone gave me a ship designer, like we have this huge hollow section just for elevators. I would... It's like they're not... Fire they're not, them. It's like they're on track. They're not... They're not tubes. Isn't that what I... <laughs> Yeah, that made no sense to me. That to me, you know, and I'll tell you the truth. Because that's the second time we've seen that. That's something I would expect to see in a J.J. Abrams. It, it, that was my thought. It was very J.J. It's very J.J. And just like, stop it. Don't do that. Yeah. I'll just pretend that didn't happen. It's, I, I guess it's, I'm oh, sorry. I guess it's cool. Is it? No, I mean, it is, but I don't, you know. It's, I can't believe it. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, you know what I thought was much more effective was last week, maybe, when they had a scene where Saru walks into a lift from one side, and the doors close, and then the doors open at the other side, and he's in this completely different area. Like, that was actually kind of a great transition. Cool. But think about it. If you're in your turbo lift in that ship, and say it breaks down, you have to like crawl out through the access. Like, you're inside this big void. Well, I imagine you just ask them to beam you back. Yeah, but... Why, why they're not just beaming you there in the first place, I don't know. Because, like, in the other shows, if they were ever stuck in the turbo lift, they would go through the access hatch on the top. They're in a tube. There'd be, like, a ladder. Yeah. They'd climb oh, yeah, up yeah. through this tube. I'd be fucking terrified to do that on this show. Yeah, you need a parachute on to this do show. on this show. Exactly. Yeah. Would you just jump to the other one that's moving and just... I don't know. Yeah, that's... Anyway. Well, they clearly changed the lift system after Discovery. Mm. Was retired. Or, I guess it wasn't retired. Maybe just, too many people fell to their deaths. Yes. And they had to... Uh, Put in railings. <laughs> they had to make it all a tube with ladders. So I guess Discovery's never retired if it is uh, floating in space, deserted. Yeah, I guess. But That's one possible future, I guess. Unless Discovery is uh, the only... Assuming Discovery is the only Federation ship that doesn't have that. So True. Well, that's it for me. I mean, all I can say is that I'm... Uh, you know, I so I like that at the beginning of the season we had those more as we called them the Trek-like episodes that were sort yeah. of more focused. Mm-hmm. But what this episode has done is got me very excited for what's next. Instead of uh, reveling in the episode that just happened, I'm pumped to get to the next one. <laughs> Can you, okay. We did pause the show for a few minutes ago to take a break, but so some time has passed. But can you, can you please tell the listeners the thing you said to me that? So I was imagining because we had the menagerie on in the background. Yeah, in my in my my living room, we were watching it, and I was, you know, I've been a bit since I've seen it, so a bit since I've seen Pike in that form, and you know, I realized pretty quickly that oh, that's definitely not Jeffrey Hunter; it's not the original actor. Right, and then I imagined, you know, like well, they probably couldn't get the original actor because it would have cost too much. So then I imagine the writing room where they wanted to use that footage. But from say the what cage. you like. I'm getting there. I'm getting okay, there. okay, yeah. In the, <laughs> so I imagine the guys around it writing and be like, oh, "We can't get Jeffrey on. Oh, what are we gonna do? Ah, we'll just fuck him up, put him in a box. <laughs> we won't even need him." <clears throat> like, all right, fuck him up, put him in a box. You said to me, well, because you came, you said to me like. Do you think they just? Do you think they just let's just fuck them up and put them in a box? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like what? <laughs> what do you mean? But what's great about it is. Because they were, you know, working with what they had, the episode was much better. If they had gotten Jeffrey Hunter, it would have been much less exciting. Yeah. And interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, he was still around. Yeah, but he was off, you know, 
Oh, doing western doing something. westerns and whatnot. Uh, all right. Actually, uh, one thing I want to mention before we wrap this up. So I actually went on to um, Memory Alpha, Trek's Wikipedia, um, to look up Talos IV. And I wanted to see, you know, is it referenced in other places, right? Now, we were talking earlier about the about the general order. It's general order seven. You can't, under no circumstance, go back to that planet. But listen to this. Listen to this note. Okay. Oh. In in the year twenty three twenty eight, this was the destination for passengers traveling on the Triskelion orbital station via commercial transport, as seen in the Next Generation episode Inheritance. Wait, what is this place? Talos Four. What? It says it on it's on a screen. That it was a destination for passengers from the Triskelion orbital station. What do you mean a destination? So. I guess we're led to assume that at some point that planet became safe to travel to again. Oh, so we have to killed the Thelosians. Yeah. The, um, the thing that fascinates me about that planet is, they go into it in the cage, is that the Thelosians, the reason why the Thelosians became so evolved was because they actually, they actually had a nuclear holocaust themselves thousands of years ago. Mm. And the planet was just be a, beginning to be able to sustain life. Oh, they went underground. And right? they went underground and, and they, they developed their, their mental brains abilities. Them. So, by the time you reach Next Generation's time, um, which is about, you know, 90 years, well, at that point, yeah, about 95 years, almost a century, almost a century later, mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, the planet was much more sustainable for life. But it'd be interesting to see, like, what exactly took place. I mean... But I couldn't it, it kind of implies that General Order Seven was rescinded before twenty before right. that year. And you've got actually. I'm sorry. This is twenty three twenty eight. So that's not even next gen's time. That's before then. So so no. That's short. That's a shorter lifespan. That's a short span. You would have to assume the Telosians would not be there, or they would have changed so much that they would not be doing what they're doing because they're too powerful to, for anyone to, right? You know, force them out. I think. Right, and don't forget, like next gen, and even all the other shows that came after it, but mo- more so next gen, they don't. They actually don't make too much reference to original series, like planets, nothing nothing like that. So, um, Talos IV, I, I... Other than the Klingons and Walken right. and But I'm talking, about those, like, I'm talking like those, like those one-offs. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and Talos itself, I don't... I don't even think it's ever referenced on any, on any of the on any of the. I don't even think it's ever spoken. So, but it's one of those aliens that everyone remembers from the original series, right? Like you remember the Gorn and the Talosians. That's it. <laughs> no, the reason the, you say the Gorn, I start laughing. I don't know if you remember this. I was telling. Tell, it was like a couple of years ago, I think. Uh, we were somewhere, and I was saying like, "Oh, this is a." <laughs> <laughs> There's a Trek convention into coming to town or whatever, and you're like, who's gonna be there? The guy that wore the Gorn suit for like one day of work like yeah. 50 years ago. But and I said that because I've been to a Do convention. You that? Do you remember yeah, that? Because I've been to a convention where the guy in the Gorn suit was there, and it was a very little convention in um, uh, somewhere in Massachusetts, right? And um, yeah, it was just you know, it was just this old dude, and like yeah, the guy basically like, like yeah, I worked for one day, wore the suit, and now I still get to make money off of it. <laughs> 
Um, and I, every time I hear the word Gorn, that's what I, that's, I think of that, and I start <laughs> yeah, laughing. The Gorn suit, yeah. Because you said it, you said it so cynically. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm sure everyone knows there are those little conventions sometimes yeah. where they have you know the guy in the Gorn suit, uh, an ex wrestler, and uh, uh, you know January Playmate of the Month from so, 1986. So actually, same episode. Uh, that's from the episode Arena, right? I did go to a Trek convention here. It was like 2014, I think, and. Um, they had some of those guests, like the sort of second string ones who just, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, in the merchandise room, which was really sad, because it wasn't even like the size of my living room. It was like hardly anything in there. It was a very small convention. And um, there was a guy in there signing autographs. And I'm like, oh, who's this guy? And so I walk up, and um, he's a guy who was on the original series. Mm-hmm. This is before Chekhov showed up. Oh, boy. So we sat in that. Yeah. See, but he was only in like... Two or three episodes. So he was so close. <laughs> and he was in that episode. He was in Arena, right? So close. So this, this, is where it gets, this is where it gets funny, depending on your humor. I was talking to him for a while. Mm. And he was a nice guy. And, you know, I, I jokingly said to him, like, oh, did Shatner try to steal any of your scenes, any of your camera angles or whatnot? And he was joking, like, oh, he tried to. And we were, talk- we were talking about, like, maybe it must have been, like, ten minutes. Mm. Right? And so... He goes, uh, so, uh, is there anything you want me to sign? I go, no. <laughs> That's uh, fine. I felt so bad after that. I was like, oh, man. I, did, I was just like, no, nah, I'm all set. Ah, <laughs> uh, you could have just had him sign like a... Yeah. I didn't want to give him any money. Oh, it's a bit hurting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's a question I have, right? When the Gorn guy is at a convention mm-hmm. and Shatner's there, you think Shatner goes and says hi to the Gorn guy? Probably not. No. I don't even think Shatner says hi to his castmates. He doesn't even, <laughs> he doesn't even say hi to uh, anyone. George Takei. Well, it's probably not George Takei. Maybe, um, what's her name? Michelle. Yeah. Lovely woman. Yeah, I, I don't think that he, um, would talk to the Gorn guy. I don't think he, I think so. Yeah. Definitely not. I, again, I don't even think he talks to his castmates. <clears throat> well, think about it. The two people that he spent the most free time with are dead. The only ones left are Uhura, or uh, Nichelle Nichols, George yeah. Takei, and uh, Walter Koenig. Yeah. Jimmy Dewan's gone. Yeah. DeForest Kelly's gone, and Leonard Nimoy's gone. Yeah. And and he even had, you know, and he's got that, get along and he's, with them. And he's got that rivalry with George Takei, which really gets under my skin. Yeah, um, I don't understand that. Well, I, so, George Takei is very funny. Yeah, but I, I don't. Good. The thing is, I don't buy into that whole, his whole side of it. Oh, yeah. It's like, George, I'm sorry, I'm just a fan. But it's like, you were not the star of the show. Right. He was. Now, if you want to get mad about stealing kids, that's fine. But also, this is like over 50 years ago, for God's sakes. Yeah, well, here's the thing, though. Shatter just seems like such a prick that I will always take his side. And Decay actually seems like a nice guy. He Although now he's had this, like... But it's like, you're holding holding a grudge for like over half a century. It's like, okay, can we... You know. But you've got to figure this this between them probably lasted for like twenty something years. Yeah, but even they were on the show in the sixties and eighties. Later, at some point, YouTube there's a great interview with what with William Shatner and Walter Koenig on Shatner's short-lived talk show called Raw Nerve, where they actually hash this stuff up. Oh yeah, and Koenig's like, I don't even care about this. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a shit because I had a couple of like he's like I had a couple of really bad, you know. But he's like, but I'm I'm, I'm way past it now. Like, it was so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So. But again, George, you were not the star of the show. 
Shatner and Nimoy and DeForest Kelly were the stars of the show. Well. More Shatner, but they were the leads. Indeed. Those three were the but leads. I said that. Much. I know, but not a DeForest no. Kelly, I don't think it was. They were the leads of the show. Were they? They were. I mean... I never thought of DeForest Kelly as one of the leads. Well, in season two and three, his name is billed at the top of the, in the opening. Yeah. You know, not in the first season, just Shatner and Nimoy, but... Yeah. It definitely wasn't Chekhov, you can all agree on that. No, it wasn't. Um... Anyway, cool. we're in um, well, bonus content time now. Yep, so we will be back. Um, Did we get anything about what people do when they listen to our podcast? Nothing. I forgot that you... I forgot that you... Uh, I didn't. ...wanted to do that. Um, yeah. It will tweet it out. Um, and uh, speaking of tweeting... Our Twitter is... Disco Podcast. I thought you were pointing at me. I thought you wanted me to like... Did you? I was like, do you want me to tweet something specific? No. Um, I'm just gonna check it really quick, but I don't think we have anything. We definitely haven't. I have not seen anything on that, but uh, nope, we don't have anything on that. All right. Well, let us know what you do while you listen to yeah. our podcast. I will. I will tweet that. Do you sit in your cubicle? When I tweet this episode out, I'll tweet okay. that. With do yeah. you go to the gym? Do you, you drive? Know, yeah. Do you drive? Do you anything like that? Uber driver, that is. Or a Lyft driver, listening. How cool would that be? How odd would it be to get into oh. a Lyft and the person's listening to us? Well, wow, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. I'd be like, um, hey, we're the hosts. <clears throat> you want us to sign something? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be back um, a week from tonight discussing the next episode, which is called If Memory Serves. If Memory Serves. If Memory Serves. Exciting. Yeah. All right. Have fun. Listeners.